This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So listen, Suave sent me a document and uh, an audio recording that I that I listened to, and it's pretty intense stuff. I mean, I, I don't know what what to say. <laughs> say. I mean, it had me kind of, you know, I got a little emotional because, you know, I know you've been in a long time, and yeah, it, I'm just curious as to what exactly, and for people that are going to hear this, I want to set this up. While in production for our first full season of Death by Incarceration, we were given information on a case that we feel is in the public interest and needs to be reported. Emmanuel Rios and Angel Rodriguez are currently serving life sentences in the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections for the murder of Sean Nelson on September 6, 1987, in the Badlands of North Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The murder went unsolved for two years, until Romance MacArthur, then under indictment for another murder, was charged, then came forward as a witness against Mr. Rios and Mr. Rodriguez. During the trial, the jury heard testimony of a taped confession by Romance MacArthur to the murder of Sean Nelson that exonerated both Mr. Rios and Mr. Rodriguez. This recording took place in the office of attorney A. Charles Peruto. Mr. Peruto took the stand and said that he had lost the tape and could not recognize Mr. MacArthur during his testimony. Currently, Charles Peruto is running for district attorney in the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In March 2021, someone anonymously sent a digital copy of Romance MacArthur's confession to our production team with supporting documents and information on chain of custody. Death by Incarceration is working to independently verify the files and makes no claims to their authenticity. We do believe in the right to a retrial in this case and that this confession, if verified, exonerates Mr. Rios and Mr. Rodriguez. These are excerpts from that tape as well as interviews with some of the parties involved. So, Suave, let me me just ask you, being on lifetime parole and really parole can do whatever they want to you they've already proven that what how do you feel about the risk of putting out this this uh, episode around rios and rodriguez and the confession tape that was lost and then suddenly refound by a charles peruto who's running for district attorney right i feel that as a person on parole for life that i'm running the risk of my freedom but that's it this is what this job is about we have a job to bring the truth to the national stage to the people that's listening and it's a constitutional right i have the constitutional rights to report the truth um however parole might not see it that way or chuck peruto which is a very powerful attorney might feel some type of way and maybe have parole revoke my parole for whatever reason but i'm i have faith in the system i have faith in the parole ball that they will see that i am not violating nothing that could put my parole in jeopardy all i'm doing is reporting the facts 
Yeah, well, and let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, we basically, Death by Incarceration Media received a hi, this is who we are email from the families of the individuals that are currently serving life sentences in the Department of Corrections in Pennsylvania, up at SCI Phoenix, I believe. And they're, these two guys, it's Angel Rodriguez and uh, Manuel Rios, were both convicted of first-degree murder in the case that we got some some evidence about. And if I'm not mistaken, during the process of, you know, sort of this case, and it went unsolved for two years, just so we're clear about that. So the, the gentleman that uh, took this confession from a person of interest in the case named Ro- Romance MacArthur was Chuck Peruto, right? Yes. So essentially he was, if again, if I'm not mistaken, he was... Um, working cur- at that point with Emmanuel Rios as his attorney. Yes. And Emmanuel yes. came to him and said, hey, Chuck, I got a problem. They're going to try to pin this murder on me. This wasn't me. How do we get out of this? And Chuck had uh, this individual come to his office, and and then they took this confession, basically saying that Rios and Rodriguez had nothing to do with it. Thursday, October 15th, 1987. It is now about 17 minutes or 18 minutes before 5 o'clock p.m. With me in my office is Emmanuel Rios, R-I-O-S, who is a witness that I'm going to ask to leave because he is my client that I represent in the past and I'm representing on a case concerning a homicide. Also with me is Machine. Romance. Huh? Romance. Romance. R M A N C E. What's your last name? MacArthur. MacArthur. Or MacArthur. MacArthur. M C capital A R T H U R. Okay. Now, uh, I'm not going to shut this tape recorder off for any reason, but I just want to let the record reflect that Emmanuel Rios left the room. Not correct. Uh, you got to talk nice and loud uh, so that everything gets taken down into the recorder, okay? So I noticed during the confession tape listening to it that, um, and, you know, you can verify this, you listen to it as well, that repeatedly Peruto said that he would not ever, like, admit to the authenticity of this tape. Right. Which seems like an odd thing for an attorney to do when you're working with somebody that's <laughs> under suspicion for a murder. Right. What the people need to understand is that Peruto claimed on the stand that he had lost them tapes. Yet, five years later, he turned over them tapes to one of the victim's family. Right. To um, Rodriguez's family who hired an investigator and got their hands on them tapes. First, he lost them. When it was trial, he lost them. But then, mysteriously, they reappeared in his possession. Uh, Romance, how old are you? 18. All right. I'm going to ask you a few questions concerning a homicide. Just answer to the best of your ability. But before I take a statement from you, I want to tell you a few things. I have never met you before, never questioned you before. Am I correct? Right. As a matter of fact, I haven't even asked you the name of the deceased in this case yet. Correct? Right. However, I want to tell you this. The only purpose of this statement is an aid or a tool for me to go make a further investigation. I do not work for the police department, and 
I do not have your permission to turn this statement over to anyone. Am I correct? Yes. I am doing this solely and completely for the benefit of Emmanuel Rios. And as I told you, all I want is the truth from you, okay? Yes. Are you drunk today? No. Are you high? No. Do you know what you're doing? Yes. All right. Who is the person who allegedly got shot? Sean Nelson. Sean Nelson? Tell me in your own words exactly what happened, keeping in mind that I cannot use a statement for any purpose. You mean what happened to him? Yeah. He was killed, shot in the head. Right. Did Emmanuel Rios have anything to do with that at all? No. Did he hire anyone to do that at all? No. Did anyone pay you anything in order to get you to say that? No. Did anyone threaten you in any way to get you to say that? No. Okay, my name is Emmanuel Rios. And so you're you're in SEI Phoenix, is that correct? Yes, I am. Okay, and, and what exactly uh, are you there for? I'm here for the murder of uh, Sean Nelson. And this is the case that I'm pleading my innocence on. Now, I also have a third degree uh, murder conviction that I pled to involving the same guy, but this, the third degree, he had a incident with somebody and he asked me for a gun. He said he wanted to go see the guy. So when we pull up, I have my little brother in the car with another young guy in the back. And uh, he jumps out of the car and kills the guy. Like, we didn't know he was going to jump out of the car and do it, but he did. That's the third degree case. Okay. So I pled to that. Right. Now, the reason that's a, that the reason that's a, that's a third degree and it's a life sentence is because of the first degree case. Other than that, the maximum at the time, the statutory maximum was 10 to 20. So I, the case that I'm fighting now, you know, and, and claim my innocence on is this Sean Nelson murder. It's a murder that he committed in, in September of 1987. When we go to trial, we call Peruto as a defense witness to produce the tape. When he gets on the stand, he says, I lost the tape. But he presents a transcription of the tape. So we brought in the transcript. We brought brought in the transcription of the tape, presented it to the court, and we had cross-examined uh, romance based on that transcription. Now, in Roger King's opening statement to the jury, he says, you will hear about a tape. And this was made by romance as a show, as a show of loyalty to Emmanuel Rios. So he said that was his reason for giving this tape confession. My name is Jeff Stein. I'm a licensed professional investigator. I've been doing private investigations for approximately 15 years. I have a full service PI firm. We provide investigative and security services. Personally, I specialize in criminal defense work and I've been deeply involved in the trenches in criminal defense for the past 10 years. I was contacted by Rios several months ago, I, I believe he may have seen one of my cases aired on CNN death row stories. And so he got my information uh, from there and did some research and he reached out 
And his friend, Jamie, and his daughter also reached out to me and we all connected, kind of hit it off. And since then, we're trying to work on uh, freeing the innocent and righting the wrong. So talk a little bit about your background, Jeff, because you have a very interesting background for a PI, especially working um, on the defense side of cases. Uh, I believe when we chatted pre-interview, you mentioned that you had gone to the police academy um, and there's a like just a bunch of other stuff in there that might interest people as to kind of how you came to this part of your career. So I did. I, I went to the police academy. I had uh, some rotator cuff surgery. I, I went to Seagirt, which is run by the New Jersey State Police. It's a live-in academy. And uh, my, my shoulder, my surgery was only a few weeks prior to the academy, so it was it was too soon. Um, I, I after getting out of the academy, I really wanted to stay in the private sector. I decided to open up my own company, uh, Private Investigations. Uh, I always worked for a private investigator on the side, so it wasn't new to me. It was stuff that I, I've been doing for years. And my, I, I guess it sort of evolved because I was more on the uh, prosecution side in, in my whole career and you know, really believed people are guilty until proven innocent until I got my first criminal defense case as a private investigator and saw that there was clear cut lies from law enforcement and they, they really did everything they could do to put somebody behind bars that really didn't belong behind bars. So from there, I, I dove into the criminal defense side. I attended some training, some advanced training and went to the criminal defense training institute out in Florida and uh, spent a week doing some additional training there. and. Here I am, 10 years later, really devoting uh, my time and, and energy to criminal defense and wrongful uh, convictions. In the making of our first season, we come up on these tapes and after doing further investigation, you know, all the evidence start coming up, paperwork, knowing the, knowing the history of the district attorney's office with Mr. Roger King. I had a personal experience with him. Just recently, a police statement just came up in the making of my podcast that my co-defendant admitted to pulling the trigger in my case, but that statement was never introduced in court. And I never even knew that statement existed to a few months ago. And none other than Mr. Roger King's name keep coming up. And the more we search in cases of exonerees, Mr. King's name keep coming up. So when we come up on the real states, we like, wow, who's the prosecutor? Roger King, you know, automatically plant doubts. We don't know if they innocent or guilty. All we know is that we have a tape. We heard a tape with Mr. Chuck Peruto, candidate for our um, district attorney, taking a murder confession from someone named um romance mccarter mccarter and but angel rodriguez and emmanuel reels are in jail and what's mind-blowing is that at the time of that confession emmanuel reels was being represented by chuck peruto reels and mr rodriguez deserve a new hearings at the minimum or at the maximum the integrity unit in philadelphia examining their case fully what's your position on that I, I totally believe that they should have a new trial. I, I feel that there was several things that were not conducted properly 
when at during the time of of their trial and i'm i'm going to speak specifically to emmanuel rios although a lot of this also pertains to angel rodriguez but i, I have not reviewed any of his information so you know as i'm talking about it like it, it's going to focus on both of them but my, my main focus is emmanuel rios who's my client and it, it is extremely disturbing that this tape was missing for five years, especially during the time of the trial. Yeah. Emmanuel Rios, uh, drove the gang today, am I correct? Yeah. Uh, I'm only asking you, I mean, if it's not correct, I don't want you to say that. I'm asking you because I presume that you came in together. You did, in fact, come in together, am I correct? Yes. I've already explained to you that I am his lawyer, and I want to take a statement from you to make sure that he had nothing to do with this, am I correct? Yeah. He had nothing to do with it? Yeah. Alright, do you know what the shooting was about? No. Alright. What do you mean? Now, hold on a second. You, you've indicated that you want me to shut the recorder off at this time, am I correct? Yeah. Right, I'm going to mark the time. You want me to shut the recorder off. And it's the time is now 14 minutes before 5. And we're going to shut the recorder off, am I correct? Yeah. Okay. There was a victim in this. Sean Nelson was killed, you know, in 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 1987. Um, and but Romance MacArthur served time for this already, and yes. he, he's he's yes. done his time. He's out. And so, just to be clear, you know, we have an opportunity to, you know, hopefully he'll come on at some point and talk to us. It doesn't sound like he wants to, but um, you know, we have an opportunity to clear two people who, by their own accounts, are not angels. You know, they and they admit to their previous crimes and their involvement with the drug trade in Philadelphia, uh, in you know, especially um, during that time. And you know, but this murder that happened in the Badlands was not um, was not them. And when right. somebody comes to me and says, "Look, man, all that other stuff that was me. <laughs> I did that. I own that. That's me." Which Emmanuel Rios came to us and said, "All that other shit was me. I was a I was a drug dealer. I was a bad man. I handed off a gun in a murder. I took I went to prison for that. I've done my time for that. I but the the this this particular case, the the murder of Sean Nelson, was not me. not me. And and I I tend to when when people come and they say that and they can own their own mistakes from the past, we I tend to believe them. What's called the blue tape gang because we packaged our. Uh, cocaine and we wrapped it with a blue tape so that's how we were called blue tape now one night I was on uh, Ethan Butler and the individual Romance MacArthur who was a friend of mine he pulls up and he says uh, you know Sean I say yeah so he reversed the car we were Ethan Butler he reversed the car on Butler Street and parked it on Darien and he said look inside and I looked inside the car there was blood in the, in the passenger side it was a four-door car, so where the seatbelt comes out at, mm -hmm. there was blood in that area. So I said, well, where did you do this? So he told me where he did it. So I got a, a, another friend of mine who was uh, standing around. He's from the area. I, I grew up with him. I said, hey, jump in the car with me. Let's go somewhere. So we go, and we, sure enough, we see police. So this guy who was with me in the car, who I took in the car with me, he winds up getting questioned because at that time, police were questioning everybody who was uh, involved in the drug trade in Ethan Butler. So this guy tells the cops that I took him to this location. So the cops, they interview me. So when they interviewed me, I denied that I knew anything. But I could tell by their line of, I could tell by their line of questioning that they're saying 
you know, that I was part of this, uh, this murder. So I called my lawyer at the time, A. Charles Prudhoe Jr. And I tell him, I said, Chuck, I gotta come see you. So I go visit him the next day and I tell him what happened. Police interviewed me and I said, Chuck, they think I have something to do with this. He says, well, do you know who did it? I said, yeah, I know who did it. He said, well, do you think he'll come in? I said, I'll ask him. So I go ask Romance MacArthur. I say, hey, Ro, hey, Ro. we call him Ro. I say, Ro, you know, Chuck wants to see you and he wants to know whether you'd be willing to give a confession, a tape confession. So he said, sure, he'll go down and do it. Mm-hmm. So he went down and he gave the tape confession. My name is Larry Krasner. I'm the elected district attorney of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Took office in the beginning of 2018. Before that, I spent 30 years as a civil rights and criminal defense attorney, working for people who frankly were for the most part stepped on and marginalized. And I am also one of a quite a group of prosecutors who consider themselves to be progressive and are looking to do the things that this country needs, including decarceration and putting resources into things that do a better job at making us safe than putting all of our funds into jails and policing. I always viewed it as being a good thing to work in criminal justice to try to make it accurate and make it fair, make it more scientific, less repressive, which can be done on both sides. Uh, But, you know, 30 years in court, and I was a very busy trial lawyer, I was probably in court four days a week. I must have had more than 10,000 cases, a couple thousand trials or more. And I'm talking everything, death penalty cases all the way down to underage drinking. Um, shows you what the system is. And once you see it, it's kind of hard to shut your eyes. The land of freedom should not be the most incarcerated country in the world. And so as I, as I was getting into my 30th year as an attorney, I had to admit that I had made things better for individual clients by working very hard, but the entire system had gotten worse the whole time. My career impact was next to nothing. And I found that unsatisfactory. I wanted to make sweeping change in a system that had only gotten worse for 30 years. And that meant I had to stop banging my head against the building that contained the power and I had to go inside the building and hold the power. It's uh, it's really fundamentally about taking over government to make it work for you. And I got lucky enough for it to turn out that way. I think they responded really well in Philly, but understand what Philly is. It's the poorest of the 10 largest cities. It is the biggest city in Pennsylvania. It is a city where, if my numbers are right, the the population of white residents is about 37% right now. And the majority of the approximately 63% residents of color are black. But this is a city with special history that is simultaneously a city that everyone recognizes as being a national landmark for freedom because of the writing of the U.S. Constitution, because of the Declaration of Independence, because of all of our national parks devoted to freedom that attract tourists from everywhere. You, you had a city that is supposed to be about, about one thing, and yet at times we had the highest level of incarceration of the 10 biggest cities. At times, we've had the very highest level of excessive supervision on probation and parole. Of the 10 largest cities, we had the largest number of juvenile lifers, not only in the state, not only in the country, but in the world. Suave can talk to that, but you know, that's, that's what this city was. And there was a real disconnect between what it was and what it was supposed to be. 
I can't say too much, but let me say this, right? If you had someone who's 17 and a half and was given a life sentence as a juvenile, then uh, when they get resentenced, you would think that they would be resentenced in the same way as if they were 18 and a half when the incident occurred. Well, if you're 18 and a half and you're given a sentence of years, then the maximum sentence is not going to be life. The maximum sentence is going to be usually twice the same number of years, right? So I think it's weird. I, I definitely think it's strange. I think it's weird for the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to have declared that in all juvenile life or cases, the maximum sentence is life. Uh, I don't know what the courts are going to do with it. Pennsylvania courts are a little unpredictable at times. But without saying more, because it is being litigated, I think it's strange. The evidence speaks for itself. Yeah. Yep. The evidence speaks for itself. Yep. You know, like, and this is why it's important that we release these tapes, because once people get to hear the confession themselves, you know, they, they don't have no choice but to say something is wrong here. Yeah. And if District Attorney Larry Krasner don't act to this, then he's just as bad as the Roger Kings and the Perudos and uh, the Leanne Abrahams and the uh, Randells when they was in district attorney's offices in Philadelphia that rule with an iron fist and it was all about lock him up and throw the key away. Yeah. You know, if he's really the progressive district attorney that he claim he is, right, he would, the minimum is consider these two cases to be reviewed by the integrity unit in Philadelphia. Tell me what happened. You got to figure out so we can go Tell me what happened to the best of your day. I was driving down a, a dark road and I pulled the gun out and I tried to scare Sean and it just went off. Yeah, was this an automatic or revolver? An automatic. What size was that? A 380. 380 Did you know that there was a bird in the chamber? No. What was the purpose of uh, pointing the gun at him? Just to scam. All right. Um, I take it then by when you say just to scare him that you never meant to kill anyone? No. You better say that nice and loud. No, I never did. You never meant to kill him? No. Did you mean to shoot him in any way? No. How close was he to you when he was shot? Well, wow. see, three inches. Three okay. Four inches. You mean from, from the gun? Yeah. Okay, he was about three or four inches from the gun? Yeah. So there would be powder burns on his head. There would be powder burns in the gun powder. Well, I guess you don't know anything about that stuff. Right. Generally, I'm telling you now that the police can determine if it's three feet or less from what they have as a paraffin test. But I'll talk about that later, okay? Was he in a sitting position, standing position, kneeling position? Sitting. Sitting? Was he sitting upright? Yes. You sitting upright? Yes. Did you, did you shoot him with your left hand or your right hand? Right hand. Were you driving at the time, like physically moving? Yes. Did he go for the gun or try to grab it from you? No. Did he think he was serious at that time? No. We're going we're gonna to double down and we're going to send this to um, Shapiro's office as well, which I think is a good move, so... You know, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, we looking forward to, you know, putting everybody on notice. Like, we know what's going on. Yeah. Nobody react. Then y'all deal with it in the court of public opinion. Yeah. 
which will be a different story because once the, once the mainstream media get it, then it's a, now you got to defend it. Yep. You either defend it or or, 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 or or don't defend it. Right. And traditionally, once they get to these um, national media, they're always going to come out. Yeah. Well, and and. and for good reason. I mean, it, you know, this is uh this is just a really, this case is almost a no brainer. So I, I, you know, I look forward to getting more information from the PI. I look forward to eventually, hopefully we'll get to talk to, uh, to angel. I mean, you know, he's a hard guy to get well, a hold of. I talked to angel yesterday. Yeah. I, I had a brief conversation with him and he's excited. Um, yeah. Like he said, um, they give us permission to release these tapes. Yeah. Well, I heard him. They, they gave us, they, and Rio they said it right like, on, right on re- the recording with us. So, right. So I just think that this is a case that have many elements to it, mm-hmm. you know, not only for Angel, but for myself. Yeah. Because like you said, I'm on lifetime parole. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a former juvenile lifer, you know, how that's going to sit well with a powerful attorney like Peruto. His, this juvenile life is trying to destroy my career, my district attorney's um, desires. And no, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is bring justice to two individuals that's been in jail 30 years. Yep. And that's you know, the, that's the and bottom And I just line. think that it's, it's only fair that we do this. You know, if we're about exploiting the system, then this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to deal with the consequences that come with it. If any come my way, yeah, I agree, I agree, and uh, you know it's easy for me to say from California, but you know at some point I'm going to be there, so <laughs> you never know. The truth must be told. Yeah, and if we are about reforming the system, like that's the conversation nationwide. We need to reform the system. Then let's start with this. Let's start talking about these two individuals. <laughs> How did your people it briefly came up on this newly discovered evidence? The tapes, Peruto's tape, we're going to call them. How did y'all okay. came up with them tapes? Okay, what happened was, remember, during trial, he said he lost the tape. Five years later, he sends the tape to Spanky's lawyer, right? So now Spanky's lawyer has the tape. So who's he? Who's he? Peruto. John- Charles Peruto Jr., right? Charles Prudo Jr. sent the tape to John Drust, which was Spanky's okay. lawyer. Are we talking about the same Charles Peruto Jr. that's running for district attorney's office today in 2021? You, you are correct. That's him. Okay. Just want to be clear for the records. Also, yes. Right? We're going to get down to it, right? Many of our listeners would probably say, hold up. Um, but June and Spanky, we're former drug dealers. Right. What do you have to say to that? Well, we, we never... We gotta be clear, right? We gotta be clear. Right. We, we're dealing with an audience that's gonna examine. Death by right. incarceration, right. we examine everything about the criminal justice system, right? And right. I don't want our audience to think that this is just something we're putting up. We want to be transparent with everything. Were you or were you not a former drug dealer? No, I, I was definitely a drug dealer. I pled to that in the feds, and I also during trial when you if, when when you read the notes, we never contested that we were drug dealers, that we weren't okay, drug dealers. Fine. And, and, and I just want to make that clear because this is not about Mr. Rios or Mr. Angel Rodriguez 
um, being former drug dealers. This is about right. them being framed for right. a murder that they never right. committed, a murder that Romance McCarthy confessed on tape to right. the now candidate for district attorney, the Republican candidate for district attorney in Philadelphia, Mr. Charles Peruda Jr. See, we need to explain that to our audience. Truth must be told. Yeah. And if we are about reforming the system, like that's the conversation nationwide, we need to reform the system, then let's start with this. Let's start talking about these two individuals. It, it's a really good opportunity to start, you know, and and we have an opportunity to really change things. So you know, what would death by incarceration podcast be if we can't move the needle? Exactly. They shake the tree. We've been given the opportunity to this platform, not only to talk about how bad the system is, right? Because I've been given the platform to help other individuals that don't have a voice for themselves. Because most people in the penitentiary can't have access to the media, they are prohibited from doing that. They are, you know, there's no way that they can contact a newspaper and say, Well, I got this tape, and you're not going, you can't do that from in jail. Yeah, you know, it falls on us. On the conscious mind, people that's been in the system, people that's advocating for reforming the system to bring these issues to light. Well, and, and, and this fortunately, it's falling in the hands of Suave and Kevin to <laughs> shine the light in Philadelphia. And hopefully we can see these two brothers, you know, get some justice. Well, and the good news is that it, it goes to the bottom line of the show, which is, you know, why you want to do this is to give a voice to the voiceless. And these guys would continue to have no voice if it wasn't for us being able to put this out. Death by Incarceration was created to look at every aspect of the current criminal justice system. Each week, we will share stories intended to shed light on institutions that viciously target and harm marginalized communities, specifically communities of color. Brought to you by Crawlspace Media, Suave Gonzalez, and Kevin McCracken. Please listen, follow, and subscribe to Death by Incarceration, coming in summer 2021, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Death by Incarceration. We are really excited to bring on a new show. DBI presents Injustice with Lisa Spees and Spencer Daniels. We're going to be deep diving into the case you just heard, which is Rios and Rodriguez, as well as three to four other cases over the next few months. This is strictly a wrongful conviction show, and it will give us the opportunity in four to five episodes to take a harder look at some of the cases that we've touched on in season one, and you will hear about in season two. And I want to welcome Spencer Daniels and Lisa Spees to just say a few words about what they're working on and what we can expect from the show. Hi, my name is Lisa Spees, and we are currently working on the Rios and Rodriguez episodes. We are working on Ralph Trent Stokes' death penalty case in Pennsylvania. These are some really interesting cases that I think a lot of people will have interest in that have not had a lot of media attention up until now. And I'm Spencer. As we get into these cases, it, it, there's so much going on. You know, I'm I'm sort of new to the game and and figuring some of this stuff out as we go. Everybody else has got a little bit more time in than I do, but there's a lot of stuff here that we can't wait to get out. Yeah, I'm I'm really really excited. And as everybody who has emailed and asked Suave and I to cover their friend, family, you know, husband, wife, daughter, etc.'s case, we just simply don't have the time dealing with the fact that we're mostly covering 
all of the issues with mass incarceration, it's really hard to dig into wrongful conviction. And, you know, I know Lisa's been doing this a long time. And as Spencer, you mentioned, you're new to it. But the the reality is this is the kind of work that hooks people in and causes you to be up at night, obsessed, trying to find any hole in the case. That's the big reason we have Lisa here is because she is that person and really does dig in deep when she takes a case on, which we all as advocates really appreciate. And so I'm super excited for the show. Crawl Space is very excited for the show. Uh, I hope that people listening are excited for the show and we'll come up with ways to be more interactive as the season uh, progresses. But we're looking at at least three mini-sodes. Thank goodness one of the people we were going to cover is getting out due to clemency in the uh, great state of New York. So, you know, we're, we're going to, we have one less case, so we'll have a slot for somebody else for this first season. So hopefully four cases total for season and, uh, and then we'll see where we go, but just want to say welcome to the family. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, we are going to try to be a little more interactive with people and, and want people to interact with the show and email and, and give us their thoughts on the case as we're going. And we'll have all that stuff worked out by the time we hit air in a couple of weeks here. I look forward to the listeners hearing kind of the contrast between maybe my thoughts and Spencer's. I think we come at it from two kind of different angles, but we both bring a really interesting perspective to these cases. And, you know, just because I've done this longer doesn't mean that, you know, he's any less insightful into anything. So I'm really excited to be working with him on this. Thanks, Death by Incarceration. And and thanks for Crawl Space for giving us this opportunity. Well, we look forward to it. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.